Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. We're not, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Look, if you've been here before, you know the drill. But if you are new here, friendly reminder that you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mentioned on the show. You can find us on Instagram at forever35podcast or join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. We also curate some of our favorite products over at shopmy.us slash forever35. And we have a newsletter, forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And you can call or text us at 781-591-0390 and email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And my 
my dear friend Kate Horse Spencer yes is sick. I have a cold. So, I mean, I you know, yeah. as discussed, I voluntarily put myself on a floating petri dish for a week with my family in order to <laughs> kind of, you know, I mean it was like a it was a thing that we were, were aware of when my family decided as a unit to go on a cruise together, um, which again was a celebration of my father-in-law's 80th birthday three years after the fact. So I knew what I was getting into and I tried to keep myself as healthy and protected as possible, but I still got a cold. So here I am with a cold. I mean, it seems like I went to CVS last night to just pick up some extra NyQuil and the shelves were wiped out. I mean, wiped, you know, and I've had one kid who just had the flu. I have many, you know, many friends who've been dealing with flu, cold, RSV, COVID, obviously. I mean, it's just a really um, gnarly health season right now. Um, So, yeah, you know, we see you if you're going through it. It's really scary. It's not fun. Even, you know, it's not fun. It's scary. I don't like it. Um, and I, I am, I'm on day quail, but then I also bought myself a very cheap juicer and I was like, I could get into drinking juice, like making my own juice, but it took a lot okay. of work to make. Yeah. I made this like ginger, lemon, carrot, apple juice, which is quite tasty. And I like pumped it up with ginger for my <clears throat> sinuses, uh, or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I'm making that up. Does it, Help my sinuses. I don't know, Dory, but but the juice is good. The juice is good. The juice is loose. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. It's interesting though. Just mentioning when I was on that boat, I walked on. There's like a track that circled this cruise ship, right? Like on the outside. So like you go around the track two and a half times, and that's like a mile. So I would go and walk in the mornings. It felt really nice and get some fresh air. And but there was this signage on this walking path. Uh, and also like content warning, I'm going to be talking a little bit about like diet culture and eating and stuff right now. But there was this signage and it would be like just a couple more. I actually took a photo of it because I found it so fucking fucked up. But it was basically like just a few more steps and tonight's dessert will be guilt-free. Like this was, there were signs just no. hanging like, yes. No. Like, Yes, intended to quote cheer you on. Like it would be like, you know, come what? on, you've got it. And then there was this one that was so just Trigger Town USA. I I I meant I should have pulled this up before we started recording. My apologies. I am a little um <clears throat> distracted with the stupid head cold, but I, I took a photo of it because I was like you know, every morning, here it is, one lap to go or maybe three. Tonight's dessert can be guilt-free. No. I'm going to send you the photo so you know kind of how it worked. But it was like little signs above our heads. And I, you know, I feel like I've done enough work in this area on myself that I like can gray rock a lot of diet culture messaging. You know, like I don't. It, it can. I am. I'm able to protect. Can you explain myself the term? Can you explain the term gray rock for people who may not be familiar with it? Yes. So the the way I understand gray rocking is it's a uh, a practice to kind of protect yourself or deflect from like a narcissist or 
toxic person's energy. So if they're putting a lot of shit upon you, it's essentially kind of like um, disengaging, putting up like a protective wall, not reacting not feeding back into it. So I think I I've gotten with a I've done a lot of work on this on the, over the last few years and I think I really have a lot of tools in place that allow me to do this. But I still was just like Jesus, it was just a reminder of the like pervasiveness, like the way in which diet culture is so mm-hmm. insidious. And I mean we t- I'm mentioning mm-hmm. this too because we talk about it with today's guest Yvette Dion who we'll, we'll get to later um and it's just something that's been on my mind. And this all coincided, Dory, with something I texted you about, which was that <laughs> I found a blog I started 18 years ago about trying to lose weight that I f- didn't know. How did you I, find this? And how I, are you looking for it? Like what? I happened? wasn't looking for it. I was not looking for it. I received what? one of those emails that's like, happy 18th year anniversary from this <gasps> blogging platform. And I was like, oh what? my gosh. So I wasn't looking for it. And I was like, oh, this will be funny to go read. Like I thought it was a blog I had started that I knew about, like, a, like my like main blog <gasps> that I was writing 20 years ago. So I went over and I was like, this isn't me. Like the the name of the blog was about getting skinny. Like I'm not, I don't want to share it because what? I honestly don't. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not, I, I was so, it was so wild. Like I read it and I was like, is it, I couldn't have written this. But then it was very clearly like it was me. Like they hadn't made a mistake. <laughs> it was me. Wow. And you have no like real recollection of this. No, I have recollections of wanting to lose weight and feeling bad about my body and shame, you know, diet, I'm trying the South Beach diet. I mean, all the shit that I, yes, that all I remember, but I have no recollection of starting a weight loss blog, which I didn't keep for more than a few months. But it wild. It was shocking and it was fat phobic and shaming. And um, I, I tried to read it with a lot of like empathy for my 25 year old self. Yeah. Cause it was, it was dark. It was dark. So, you know, this all kind of coincided. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, it's been on my mind, you know? I'm, I, yeah. It's just, it, it never goes away. It follows you. It's in you. You know, it's so systemic. It's like, the stuff is just, and then like, I'll have a moment where I'm like, oh shit, look what I'm doing right this very second. Like I'm doing all the things I thought I was not going to do anymore. So I don't know if anyone can like connect to this, but it just, um, wow. I don't know. It's just been on my, it's just been on my brain. And you know what? People, a bunch of lists, I'm assuming podcast listeners, but other folks sent me this beautiful poem by this woman joy sullivan on instagram called horse girl um and we'll link to it and this poem like it have, have you seen this poem i don't think so it like made me weep um it really got to me i'm also texting this to you so i'll share it but it's uh, here's the first line of the poem, and then you all can go click and read it. it. Says it's called Horse Girl. It says recently I discovered that for approximately the same amount I pay a fitness coach to tell me how many calories to eat monthly, I could lease a horse at a nearby farm and ride whenever I like. 
and it just goes on to talk about like what it means to to kind of be free and be a horse girl and just this you know this trap so many of us find ourselves in with this Mm. So anyway, and you know, this is a conversation you and I've been having off the air too, just about the kind of constant, relentless weight loss messaging that still exists out there. And it's just a shitload. It's a shitload. And it is sort of crazy to think about how we weren't aware of it for so long because it was just, quote unquote, normal for all this stuff to be everywhere. Like, I would bet you a lot of money that if you had gone on this cruise, say, 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, and you saw those signs on the track, you wouldn't have thought twice about them. They would not have even pinged for you. Well, and I think what bothers me so much is that you know, my kids could walk on, are going to walk under, like my kids are already picking up on all this messaging. It's not gone. Yeah. You know, and like my daughter, my 12 year old is like, why can't I be on, I don't have a phone. I want to be on Instagram. And I'm like, bitch, this is why, because I'm so fucked up. <laughs> like I'm trying to, I'm trying yeah. to keep it away from you as long as possible, but it's already in them. But you also, I, you also can like give them the tools to interrogate diet culture in a way that our parents were not equipped to. I think that's true. I think that's really true. I mean, God. Uh, I, I, you know, but then I just wonder, and I think this has been addressed very, you know, people have addressed this kind of the way in which wellness culture is essentially just diet culture, right? Like, like yeah. how is it, how is it being packaged now so that we don't see it? Well, and again, I mean, I, people are interrogating. For, or, yes. Spoiler for Yvette Dion's book. Mm. And we didn't actually talk about this in her interview, but she points out that like even Lizzo did a whole like cleanse at one point and like posted about it on her social media. And she wasn't, she claimed she wasn't doing it to, you know, lose weight, but she was still kind of subscribing to all of that wellness diet culture stuff. And so Yvette wasn't, she didn't write about it to like shame Lizzo. She was writing about it more to be like, Look, this shit is everywhere and no one is immune to it. Even fucking Lizzo. Yeah. I mean, but again, Dory, like, I, I just bought this stupid juicer. Was there a weight? Was there some sort of fucking diet culture demon in my head when I bought Ooh. it? I don't know. I don't think there was, but I really, truly, I just wanted to be able to make a juice. Um, but in the past, I've had a juicer because I wanted to do juice cleanses because I thought that they would... Um, quote, make me healthier, which was just me, a uh, code word for me saying I want to lose weight. You know, this is some of the interrogation yeah. I have done. Yeah. Excuse me. So anyway, that's just what's been going on with me and my brain over here is like, you know, being like loving toward myself, knowing that I can't, I'm not immune from it and knowing that I might participate and I might, I might do or say things that I don't I'm not proud of, I'm not proud, I don't know what the word is that I, you know, it's just, it's just in us, but to also be like yeah. constantly interrogating oneself, I think is helpful. So anyway, that's mm -hmm. what's up with me over here. I didn't mean to <sighs> go off so much, but it's like that the signage as I was walking was really just like, oh boy. 
That's a lot. Yeah. Shifting gears to you. So, yes. Because you have, (laughs) you know, in our quest for understanding ourselves and what we need and what we want and figuring out how best to care and nurture our, our, ourselves and our inner children, you did, you did something that you thought you wanted that then you decided maybe you didn't. Yeah. So as discussed on a previous episode, I entered the lottery for the New York City half marathon. And I said to Kate, I think I have a pretty good chance of getting in because they do the lottery in like three buckets. One of them is New York people who live in in the New York metro area. One is people who live in the US and then one is international. So I don't know how many people are in each bucket, but it seemed pretty clear to me that they want a geographically diverse group of people probably to like encourage tourism dollars, right? Like if you're coming in to run this half marathon from California, like you're flying in, you're maybe getting a hotel, you're spending money in the same way that someone coming in from like Park Slope is not. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Okay, so, so Dory like, had a plan. I was like, I'm, pr- I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get in. And then as like the weeks went by, and I was like, Am I really going to do this half marathon? Like, it's a ton of training. I have to go to New York, <laughs> like, right? Which is like money, a, which is money and time, time away. and yep. time away. And then I found out that like. Henry's preschool is doing this thing that weekend. Like I was sort of 50-50 on going on anyway, but like it was just, it just sort of seemed like another sign that like, you know what, this is maybe not the time. And so I said to Kate, I'm going to drop out of the drawing. And in my head, I had until November 30th to drop out. But in fact, the drawing was on November 30th and you had like until basically the day before November. You had until November 29th to drop out. So I like log on to my dashboard on November 30th and it's like pending drawing and like you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't change anything. And I was like, oh shit. And so I tried to like change my credit card so maybe it wouldn't get charged because there had been an issue with I, whatever. But then I and and I got in. Spoiler, I got in. It was like, congratulations. Like, you're running the New York City half marathon. And I was like, you were right. You were right. Fart. (laughs) And I said to Kate, you know, maybe there is a part of me that like didn't really want to drop out because like I could have dropped out at any time prior to November 30th. Like, why did I wait until the very last second? You know what I mean? Like, did I subconsciously? Did I subconsciously sabotage my dropping out Mm. of this half marathon? (sighs) So now I'm in. And of course, I don't have to run. But I now I feel obligated because now I'm like, well, I took a spot away from someone else. And you can't pass that bib on to somebody. You can't pass it. I mean, I guess someone could run in my place. But I think like to pick up your... I think you have to like pick up a bib and like show ID. Like I I don't it's not as like straightforward. <laughs> and you're not allowed to. Like I could get banned from, you know, future oh races. And we're talking about this um, so on my a options podcast. Are, so like And I'm talking about it on a podcast. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it. Like I'm not gonna give my bib to someone else. Um Great. so my options are either 
not do it or do it. Um, and not doing it mean just like, you know, abandoning it. Um, so I was like, well, I guess, I don't know. I guess I can train for it. But like, you know, I was also like, I'm, does this mean, this means like maybe giving up some tennis. This means like shifting some workouts. Like, I don't know. I looked up some half marathon training plans and, you know, I have not really been running. So like week one of this 12 week training plan and the, the marathon, the half marathon is March 19th. So from today I have about 14 weeks. Um, and you know, this 12 week training plan, you're supposed to be able to run four miles that first week. And I was like, I don't think I can run four miles. So I looked up a 10K training plan and I tacked on two, like actually three additional weeks to the 12 week half marathon training plan to kind of like ease myself into it. So yesterday I did a two mile run and I was like, oh God. Like a two mile run was hard. Oh, don't and worry. I was just like, oh, I am so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I am so fucked. What have I done? So I don't know, can Kate. I, I don't know if I can pull this off. Can I ask a question? But that's where I'm at right now. Yes. What's the training program that you're doing? Hal Higdon. Have you looked at Jeff Galloway? I have not. So I used I used to use Hal Higdon when I used to run half marathons and marathon and train for a marathon. Um, so you feel and, safe. You know, honestly, I looked at yeah, it felt safe. Also, I looked at a couple others like Running World. Like they're all kind of the same. Yeah, the like the calendars are all kind of the same. Um. There's not like huge differences in I'm doing the novice training plan. Good work. <laughs> you know, if you're like a half marathon expert, there's a different there's a different training plan for you. But yes. If you're just like me <laughs> spontaneously <laughs> deciding to run a half marathon after like 10 years. I mean, I think the last half marathon I ran was it was I think it was probably 2013. Well, I did just want so, to say Jeff Galloway is known for the run his run walk program, which is mm-hmm. what I've been which which I'm I'm I signed up for a 5k. I'm either going to just walk it completely or run walk it. And that mm-hmm. might be a more manageable on your body or whatever, might feel a little bit better. Yeah. And he often has people who they end up PR like they and like they end up moving faster with their with the walk breaks than just right. Again, I'm not telling you, you do what you need to do for your body and your training, but I do, he has an app and I do like Jeff Galloway. I will will just say, I mean, I will, I will look into it. Thank you for the wreck. I'm just like, what what, what have I done here? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe there is something like to be, 
received from it. Like maybe there is an experience that you don't know that you need. Like, you know, there is something to be said for like sticking with it and just doing it and going into it with like no expectations. And, you know, your only goal really is to finish mm-hmm. however you do it. And even that, like you don't even have to, you know? So, yeah. Or, yeah. You, or you, you don't do it. And you just say, well, I fucked up. I don't want to do it. I'm sorry. Bye. <laughs> uh, okay. The so other thing here. I will recommend is a book that I used for my half marathon training is Marathoning for Mortals. And they have run, walk, and walk, run programs also. And this is, I'm telling you this, but I'm also just telling anybody mm-hmm. this who's interested. Like for, I like, I personally like a run and walk combination. It just feels better for me and I'm easier on my body. But so those are two that I okay. like. That okay. You could look into. okay. Okay. All right. Well, well here I'll we go. keep everyone posted. <laughs> Dory's running a half marathon, maybe. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, look, um, should we take a little break and and then share our conversation with Yvette? We should, but we should introduce her first. Okay. Pardon me. I'll do that. Yvette Dion okay, is great. our guest today. We had a fantastic conversation with her. She's a journalist, pop culture critic, and magazine editor who covers culture and politics through the lenses of race, gender, class, and size. Currently, she is the executive editor at Yes Media, where she leads Yes Magazine. She is the former editor-in-chief at Bitch Media. She's also the author of Lifting As We Climb, which was longlisted for a National Book Award and won a Coretta Scott King author honor. And her newest book, which is out December 6th, so I think right this very second, is called Weightless, Making Space for My Resilient Body and Soul. And it's so good. It's great. All the stuff it's that really we've just good. started talking about, you are going to, a vet just goes into it and so much more. I mean, so, so, so much more. Yeah. Um, all right. So we are going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. 
Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. Once you once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got what? to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. 
But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, Our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Yvette, welcome to Forever 35. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, So we like to start off by asking our guests if they have a self-care practice that they do regularly um, that, you know, that if you'd like to share. I would love to. I'm big on self-care. I would say my biggest tip, I'm a reader. I love to read books. I love physical Mm -hmm. books. Like I have to go to the library and get a physical book. And so I set like an amount of time in my day just to read because it's something that I care about, something that rejuvenates me and energizes me. So I set aside 30 minutes, no matter what, just to sit somewhere and read. Mm. Highly recommend. Is that something that you like put in your calendar or you just kind of are like, oh, I need to do this today? Just kind of wondering about the, the logistics of it. I make it a part of my evening routine. So I'm a big fan of evening routine. Like I have to wind down my brain and prepare Mm -hmm. myself to go to bed. Otherwise my brain is just running and running and running. Mm -hmm. And so I made it a part of my evening routine of I have to take a bath. And then after I get out of the bath, I get in the bed and I read. So it it creates a routine for me. So when I go to sleep, like I'm actually asleep and my brain is not Mm -hmm. three days from now. Okay. Do you, we are, we're like very invested in bedtime routines here. So, yeah. <laughs> so many, I, I, I got to like, could talk about an, for an hour about your routines, but yeah. so, go ahead, Dory. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask, uh, do you do it at the same time every night? I do. I have to, okay. if I don't do it at the same okay. time, it doesn't yeah. happen. 
Okay. Now here's my question. Do you also have a morning routine? Do you have kind of a similar thing established on the wake up side? And what is I it? I do. I do. And the reason why is because if I don't have a morning routine, I run right into work. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, why am I so tired? I'm mm-hmm. exhausted. Why am I so tired? So I've set a morning routine. My dog really helps me with that because of course he needs to go outside. So once he comes back in, like I do a whole face routine and drink a cup of tea and get myself ready for the day. So I'm not jumping out of bed and right into the world. Did did this, is this like a lifelong practice for you or did you reach a point where you were like, I need to establish these routines for myself? And what was the kind of um, practice there? Because I, I asked this selfishly because this is something that I kind of, an intention I kind of set for myself last week, but it's the, but it's the implementing the practice that I find really hard. So I, I would love to know what your experience has been kind of getting this to work for you. I was so burned out. Yeah. Like I'm navigating like very, what my therapist calls very acute burnout. So we crafted mm. a morning and an evening routine to allow me time to one lead up to a day, but also give myself time to rejuvenate and recharge. Cause if I don't build in the time, I won't do it. But I don't intentionally carve out that time and say, okay, from six 30 to nine 30, this is what my morning looks like from seven to 10. This is what my evening looks like. It won't happen. And so my therapist and I sat down and crafted it and we check in about it routinely to make sure that it's happening. Um, your therapist sounds great. Yeah. yeah. How how long have you been in therapy? Has Is this something that has been a part of your life for a long time? On and off, on and off since my teenage years, for sure. I've been consistently in therapy as an adult the last five years or so. We get a lot of questions from listeners about how to find a good therapist. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Like, was... Was your current therapist the first one who you met? Did you kind of, you know, test test out some people? How did you vibe with them? Um, what were your criteria for selecting a therapist? I needed a therapist who I trusted and who I vibed with. That was top for me. I wanted to have a Black woman therapist because I'm a Black woman. I felt like we could have some um, cultural connection there, like things I didn't have mm-hmm. to explain to her. But every Black woman doesn't get along. And so I got referred to a service. So I went through my insurance. I got mm-hmm. referred to through a service called Sondermind. And then I could pick a therapist within that network. So I didn't have to get recertified every time. And so I kind of bounced around. I went around, I would say I, I tested out maybe five therapists. And I think uh-huh. what tends to happen is if you get a therapist, like you feel obligated to stay with that therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I've met with them twice. I kind of mm-hmm. like them. But what was important for me is to come out of therapy feeling like it was useful and that it wasn't a waste of time and that we focus on the things that I care about, cared about, and that I wasn't being led into a place where I was either uncomfortable or didn't feel prepared for or didn't feel guided through. And so Mm -hmm. I would come out and reflect like, do I actually, and then do I like this person? Do I actually Mm -hmm. like this person? So I tested out maybe, I would say five therapists before I landed on my current therapist. And some I stayed with in the beginning. I had one therapist I was with for a year and then it it just wasn't working out for me after Mm -hmm. that. And then I tested another four and then found my current therapist. I love that because I, and I know, you know, when people are kind of, 
when you when you try to go into therapy because you're in crisis, I think it can be really hard if you know you find a therapist and they and they're not the right right match and people kind of give up. And so I I really like your approach to it, and I also think it's a good reminder that it's you know it's good to seek out therapy. Maybe and actually, I don't I don't want to assume why you sought, sought out therapy, but you know to seek out therapy when you're not necessarily in crisis, I think is great. Um, and something that, you know, I have not been always successful at doing. And, um, but I think it does offer a lot in terms of allowing you to kind of take your time and like find the right person. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Yvette, we let's, let's switch gears and talk about your amazing book, Mm. um, which both of us, just loved and, you know, just raised so many really important issues and questions and presented things in ways that I hadn't ever thought about. Um, And, you know, you, you said something in your introduction that struck me as really profound. Um, You said, I hope my personal stories might light a pathway for other fat people to reclaim their bodies and I was hoping that you could talk a little bit just about the process of writing this book and what kind of writing this book in general meant for you. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for the kind words about the book. Um, I started writing this book about five years ago or so. Originally, it was a different book. And in the process of writing that book, I was diagnosed with heart failure And so it became a completely different book. And I was mostly trying to journal through that experience of being diagnosed so early and figuring out mortality and thinking about what what can my life look like right now? What can it look like in the future, depending on what happens on the journey? And I was journaling through that experience because I often say, I say all the time, I feel like an avatar. Like, I feel like I'm like floating above my life, like Mm. watching it happen to someone else. Like I've for a long time didn't feel connected to or in my body, really. It was Mm -hmm. like I was kind of just watching this happening and thinking, oh, is that happening to me? Like I was talking about someone else and not myself. And then I realized when I got diagnosed, I couldn't do that. Like I had to be very present in my body. Like I needed to feel every ache and pain to figure out if medication was working or not and like really, really be present. And so after a while, I was like, well, this, I can't hold on to this experience for myself. Mm-hmm. I think the statistic is like one in two Black people by under the age of 50 will develop some sort of heart condition at varying degrees. Like mine is more intense, but, you know, from a murmur to um, cardiomyopathy, like the, the runs the gamut really. And I was like, well, this could help someone. And if it can help someone, then there's a story there and it's a story I need to tell. And I knew that I didn't really want to write about myself. Um, I had come through <laughs> kind of like the personal essay complex of, of doing <laughs> that through my early twenties, like build a Been career. There. And I didn't really want to do it, but I also knew that using a personal narrative to bring people in, it really is powerful. It allows you to connect with people on a human level. So it doesn't yeah. feel like, oh, this can't happen to me, but oh, this is happening to so many people it can. And if it does, here's what I can do. And that's when I knew it could be a book. I mean, 
you do that really effectively. I think you, I, I mean, you balance this, the kind of information side through the, with the personal narrative so beautifully. Um, and I think that's why I know personally, I feel like I got so much out of reading. Um, and, and you talk so much about the medical establishment and the way in which the fat phobia to this, to this very day, to an article I read in the New York Times mere days ago, um, is just so rampant, uh, in, in, in touches every aspect, um, from merely like going in for, as you mentioned, like the kind of common joke of or common refrain of going in to get your sore throat checked. And a doctor will ask, uh, you know, have you take a blood test for diabetes if you're a fat person? I mean, just, you know, it's, it's, it's insidious in all aspects of culture, but specifically in the medical space. Um, and still so much. And, and you know, we, we've talked about navigating the medical world uh, in this in this way with the fat phobia, but I, I'm wondering kind of what you've taken away after writing about it so personally and going through your own um, kind of lifelong health experiences. Where do you kind of I don't know where where do you think the the change uh, is going to happen and and how? Oh, I am unsure about the how yeah. or if or yeah. If. This has served doctors for a long time. It yeah. has served the medical establishment for a long time. Like dieting is a billion dollar business. Is that something people want to people and systems want to divorce themselves from? And that part I'm unsure. But I think where it could happen, like in an ideal world, is in the residency spaces and in the school space where doctors are being trained. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because so much of what they're carrying around is this fat bias, but a lot of it is subconscious. And a lot of it is because that was the way that they were trained. Uh, they're trained into BMI. They're trained to treat obesity as an illness. They're trained to think about obesity as the cause of all of these other illnesses that happen afterward. If you're trained that way, of course, you're going to treat patients that way. So ideally, like in an ideal world, that is the place where it would happen. So by the time doctors are out and practicing, especially family doctors are out and practicing, they're not carrying that bias with them. I think it's going to take some overt unlearning and overt training about fat bias for that to happen. And then on top of that, like racial bias and gender bias and all of the things that are plaguing doctors that they don't take women seriously when they're in pain, or they think that black people can take pain at a higher degree than other ethnicities and races. All that needs to happen at that level. So by the time they're interacting with patients one-on-one, -on -one, they're not carrying that bias. Or if they are, they're able to recognize it and check it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm looking down because I have your your book on a iPad uh, here. Oh, I just want to make that. sure you know that I'm not yeah. just like tuning out, <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to find uh, the chapter that you wrote about COVID because I don't mm. think... I, I think this conversation is is so necessary and I haven't seen it happening a lot. And I'm so, so glad you write about the way in which BMI um, and fat phobia played out through all aspects of this pandemic, whether it's who gets on a ventilator or quote, deserves a ventilator to um, getting access to the vaccine. I mean, it, it was, it's wild and it's so pervasive and and we it hasn't really even been a part of the discussion and on obviously we're still in covid um but what kind of first 
like, was there a moment where you like first kind of zoned in on this happening as the pandemic kicked in and began? Do you think it's a conversation that is going to be happening more? I mean, I just had my own experience with the vaccine rollout because of my BMI. I qualified to get it early. And like, there were just so, so many like crazy shitty things uh, that were fat phobic uh, in how we've dealt with COVID and that are fat phobic and that haven't, we haven't really talked about yet. Yeah, I think it was such a chaotic time. COVID is still happening, but I remember like early 2020, even early 2021, it was chaos. Yes. It was so chaotic. And I remember watching those press conferences every day, every day, like sitting down because I was so concerned. My family was really concerned because my conditions impact the heart and the lungs. And thankfully, I up until this point, I have not had COVID. I don't know how this is happening, but even like right now, I have not had COVID. And everyone in my family was so concerned. So we would sit down and the world had pretty much slowed down at that point. A lot of things were closed. People were trying to figure out what was going to happen. So I was spending a lot of time with family in a way I hadn't in a very long time and watching those news conferences and hearing Dr. Fauci, who I adore, lumping in obesity with cancer and saying that obesity could be the cause of developing severe COVID. And hearing that and having to rewind it and then looking around, like, am I the only person who's hearing this and thinking this is odd? And realizing that I was, because I wasn't, like I'm sitting around people who aren't as well-versed in fat phobia and fat liberation as I am. So I'm looking around at them, they're looking at me like, what's the big deal? And I think that has continued, honestly, of if being fat, can cause you to get severe COVID, then why be fat without considering all of these other factors, such as, do you have a pre-existing condition? Do you live in a place that allows you to stay home? Or are you an essential worker on the front lines who may not have the correct PPE? Like all of that leads to whether or not you get severe COVID, but to lump obesity in with, I mean, terminal illnesses, it it was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. And I don't think because of the chaos of that um, and the chaos of it even now of like the numbers are spiking and we just don't talk about it. We pretend like it's not happening. There really hasn't been space to have that conversation because there are so many other things to concern ourselves with around the pandemic yeah. and the mismanagement of the pandemic. But I definitely think it's something if it, if we ever get to the other side that we should think deeply about of the lessons that we can learn from the ways in which fat people were treated both during the pandemic and during the vaccine rollout. Yes. I'm so, so glad you talk about it. I, I really hope it's a conversation that keeps going uh, because it's, it's, it's almost, it's like you say with the chaos, it's, there's so much going on. It's like things register and then you're just like, Oh, you know, we're on to the next thing. Um, but I think as we reflect on the last few years, it needs to be a big part of the conversation. I agree. Um, that I wanted to ask you about something that you write about that Kate and I have talked about on the podcast a bunch, um, which is the phrase you look amazing. Um, and just kind of generally the whole concept of commenting on people's bodies. Um, 
And you write about it in the context of weight loss and you write, you know, you lost weight because you were sick um, and people started complimenting you um, and you write, it's beyond time to undo our cultural assumption that weight loss is a triumph, which is like, whew, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but I did want to kind of unpack this whole um, idea of people feeling like they have the right to comment on other people's bodies because they quote unquote look good and how that is often correlated to weight loss. Um, so could you kind of talk about your own experience and what you have, how you've, and you write about this in the book, but how you've kind of seen this manifested in the media and in popular culture? Oh yeah. Those I am forever haunted by those magazine covers that were like hot or not bodies oh, forever yeah. haunted, like standing in the grocery store aisle at yep. the checkout counter. Like, Oh my, you're tearing these people. These are people and you're tearing them apart and tearing their yeah. bodies apart. And like having paparazzi photos of them on the beach, they don't even know they're being photographed and picking their bodies apart. If they have a piece of cellulite and the yeah. haunting of that, like that has, stayed with me. I was probably 12. It stayed with me for decades now. And I think a large part of that is because we treat fat people's bodies like they're a public spectacle. Like that's the way that I felt. And when I was diagnosed, I went on a very, and I'm still on a very strict sodium restriction and liquid mm -hmm. restriction. So I can have 2000 milligrams of sodium a day, no more and um, now 82 ounces of, of any liquid, water, juice, whatever mm -hmm. it is, soda, whatever it is. I can have 82 ounces a day and that's it. And because of that, you have to learn how to craft a diet that fits within those restrictions. It is a form of dieting, bar none. Yeah. It's a life-saving form of dieting. Like it's designed to, it's not designed to lose weight. It's designed to keep fluid from pooling in your body because salt builds fluid and fluid builds fluid. So it's designed to lower the amount of fluid in your body. So your heart can, because when you have heart failure, your heart can't pump liquid. It can't pump fluid. So it's keeping the amount lowered and like flushing it out of your system. So your heart can pump normally. But as a consequence of that, like that's what's actually happening. But as a consequence of that, my body dwindled and I got much smaller than I've ever been, honestly. And the response to that was like, wow, you look incredible. You've lost so much weight. I had someone who I know personally say, well, if that's what heart failure does to your body, I need to have heart failure. Oh my God. Like literally. And I was sitting there like, wow, ah, like what is happening? Like we, wow. we've known each other for years, but that is, that is the experience that fat people who lose weight experience because the assumption is that you intended to lose weight. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're assimilating into a system, you're intending to lose weight, and that is worthy of celebration. But you never know the reason why someone is losing weight. Like I think a lot right. about Adele. I've written yeah. yes, extensively you write about, about Adele. Yeah, I wrote about Adele in the book. I've written extensively about Adele and about the ways in which people treated Adele's smaller body. And I love that she, in her interview with Oprah, said... I had to start working out because I was having panic attacks and it helped my nervous system 
after I was getting divorced, which was, a, which was a traumatic thing. Like a divorce is like a death. And to go through a divorce when you have a young child, it, you don't, you have no idea what it does to someone's body or how they respond to it. But the response to Adele was like, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. If you have anxiety and you got divorced and as a result of that, you lost weight, then it was worth it. And to me, that's, I don't think people intend to send that message. I I tend to come from the place of people aren't inherently malicious. But if we're all indoctrinated in the same system, this fat phobic system that says that any weight loss is good weight loss, no matter how it's earned, like everything is earned. And if you lose weight, you earned it and you deserve to be celebrated for it. Then it doesn't allow us to think about the complexity of that. And like the message that that's sending, not only to the person who's experiencing it, but to the person who's saying it, that they're envying your weight loss and wishing they can do it, even if that means you develop heart failure or you get divorced. It's like, it's the wildest thing to me. It's so wild. I, I still, like even now, can't really wrap my head around it, haven't written a book about it. Like I still can't wrap my head around that, of why people think that's an acceptable thing to do. As I was reading your book, I was, I was thinking, oh, I guess the Ozempic, all the Ozempic stuff happened too late for her book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, y- like, yikes. I mean, that, t- like that whole phenomenon just to me speaks to s- like every issue that you write about in your book. I mean, the medical establishment, pop culture, the media, Women like it just it just went on and on and I was like oh my god like here we are 2022 and this is where we still are like it's just it 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 it's depressing and overwhelming and like mind blowing um so I you know (laughs) it might be too depressing for you to write about Ozempic but. Like I would, I would love to read your take on it. So, you know, if you, if you feel called to do so, I I would love to read that. I just can't believe people are taking that and like the side effects of it. And then you gain all the weight back. Like it's temporary weight loss. You suffer to experience it and then you gain all the weight back. Not only, and and you pay, it's like a thousand dollars a month or something. It's it's like wild. It's yeah, wild. But, it blows my mind. But these are the it lengths. <laughs> it sh- it should. I mean, you know, these are the lengths that yeah that we go and and like I say myself, I include myself in the we of that. I mean, I'm not taking Ozempic, but it, it's it. I find it so hard to you know. And I've done a lot of work in therapy and um, you know, in dealing with my own internalized fat phobia and disordered eating and all that stuff, but. It's, it's, I still feel caught in the net of it all. And I actually think you write, you write about this, um, when it comes to dating, uh, another fat person. And I thought you write about this so, so beautifully, um, and with such like wonderful self-reflection because it's, it's there in all of us, no matter, no matter what. It exists. It exists. I think about this. TLC had a 600 pound life marathon on Thanksgiving. Oh my God. Oh my like God. Ran a marathon on Thanksgiving. <sighs> and I was in front of the TV, like, 
reliving some of these moments. I think so often we think of fat people as a monolith, particularly as it relates Mm. to body positivity. Uh, Every fat person is in harmony with their body and they're encouraging other fat people to be in harmony with their body. And there's no real room for complexity around that. And I really wanted to be honest and vulnerable about the ways in which we all internalize fat phobia. I'm not exempt. Like when I say we, I include myself in the we. Like I'm not exempt from having these thoughts, from living them out, from showing up in the world, still unlearning like everyone else. And so Mm -hmm. many other fat people are in that place. Like 600 pound life has been on 10 seasons, 11 seasons. It's not all thin people watching this. To pretend as if that is the case, I think does fat all fat people a disservice. There's a reason why this show is leading Wednesday nights and why it has multiple spinoffs and now there are different shows in the same vein. There's a reason that's happening and it's not because no one is watching. Yeah, it's because lots of people are lots of it still sells. It's still I mean and and the way in which, you know, pop culture has been a part of perpetuating all this stuff for centuries. But, you know, in the last, I'm thinking just kind of in the last 20 or 30 years with like all the weight loss TV shows and Instagram. I mean, it's, it's just still um, rampant. Unfortunately, that is the truth. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 
at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. All right, we are back. I, I also really liked how you dissected the way that fat people are represented in popular culture. And, you know, you, you write, you say representation is not enough. And I really liked how you broke down a lot of these characters that I think were sort of held up as like good representation. Um, like Natasha Rothwell's character on insecure, for example, um, you know, you really, for me, complicated my mm. view of, her and her character. Um, and I, you know, that, that scene where she gets fingered in the restaurant is like, was such an iconic scene. And you really changed how I now think about that scene, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is hard to do. That's a hard thing for me to do because I want to see more fat people on television. Yeah. I really, really do. I want Disney to have fat characters. I just don't want to have that character deal with body dysmorphia, which is what they have. Like, right. well, we have our first groundbreaking fat character, but that character is dealing with body dysmorphia. Not that fat people right. don't, but is that all that we have? And it's yes. really difficult. Like, I love Insecure. I really enjoy This Is Us. Like, I really enjoy these shows. I love Shrill. Like, Shrill is one of my favorite mm. shows ever. And... Outside of Shrill, these shows don't think of fat people outside of the realm of their weight. Like Kate's mm -hmm. entire trajectory on This Is Us was related to her weight from the way yeah. that she met her first husband to what happened when she wanted to get pregnant to the birth of that child and all the trauma that followed all had a relationship to her weight. And not to say fat people don't have that experience, but that's not all that we experience. It's not yeah. just that. Like, it's not just comedic relief for a thin person. It's not just constantly, overwhelmingly thinking about weight. It's not, we never have relationships. We're not intimate with anyone. That's not true. It's just realistically not true, but that seems to be all Hollywood is ready for, unfortunately. So where does allyship kind of play into all of this um, in terms of I guess, I mean, you know, in terms of like straight sized folks, but also just culturally allies, allies to the fat, fat people, like is being a fat ally, not, is it a thing? Obviously it is, but what does that, what does that truly look like? Um, and I guess I also want to ask your thoughts on like, what happens when we fuck up? Like what, how do we take accountability? Um, when we fuck up in this space in terms of fat allyship. And we will. Yeah. That that's the reality. Humans are complicated and that that's something to be expected. 
I think it's essential. I don't think any movement. So ultimately, the thing that I advocate for in this book is systemic changes in our world that allow fat people to live with dignity. It's really not about how we interact with each other individually. That's important, too. It's really about how do we shift our systems and our world to to be more accommodating of fat people and more equitable toward fat people. And in order for that to happen, straight-sized people have to join the lobbying and the organizing and the movement building around these issues, whether it's, you know, passing laws across the United States, like Michigan is the only law right now that prohibits employers from discriminating against someone for being fat. That should happen nationwide. And that requires everyone to say, oh, this is a problem and lobby around it. Or um, the fact that you can go to an amusement park and there are no rides if you're over a certain size. And once you get to a certain size, like your world is so small because no one accommodates for that. You need everyone. Like it's, it's not, if it's only fat people advocating for this, it's not going to make a difference. We need everyone truly to make these sorts of changes. But in terms of interpersonally, when people fuck up, which we all do, we all do. If we're an ally to any movement, we all fuck up. The best place to start is change behavior. How you interact with that particular person who you offended or something that you said that, that rubbed them the wrong way, that's between you and that person. But I always say the, the best apology is full on change behavior. Mm. It's unlearning. It's consciously um, being aware of the language that you're using, how you're interacting with fat people, what you're saying about them when they can see you and when they can't, which is why I loved including that, um, that story in, I forget which essay it is, Jesus, um, but <laughs> that's about, a, that's a lot, but, that's okay. <laughs> but about the woman on the plane and like seeing the guy's text messages, yeah. making fun of her size and her confronting him about it. The best way in which he can ever atone for that is to change his behavior and ensure that never happens again. How she wants, if she's willing to forgive him, that's on her, right? Like that's, fully on that person to make that choice. But the person who's doing the offending has to unlearn that behavior and change it. Well, your, your book is, is, I mean, so insightful. I'm, I'm, we are both encouraging everyone to go out and read it, obviously. Uh, but it's just, <laughs> it's, it was a really fantastic and enjoyable read. Um, and also, before, may, yes, I, may I, may I, may I just yes. add wonderful cover i love oh i know i had the same thought it's a gorgeous (laughs) cover thank you so much cover we went through so many artists to get that cover but it was worth it it was so worth it i hope you have that framed it's beautiful it's beautiful i want to hang it in my office yeah yes so uh, this is just one final gear shift because we do always try to wrap up our interviews with a uh an inquiry into a skincare practice. If you have one, what does it look like? If you have products that you recommend and don't think I didn't notice when you mentioned that you said something earlier on about there was a whole <laughs> skin thing. Um, so that of course piqued my curiosity, but I would, we'd love to know if you do have a skincare practice, what it looks like. And if there's any uh, product that you can't live without that you want to share with our listeners. I'm so excited about this. I've been looking forward to this the whole interview. Okay. <laughs> yes. Enough about this beautiful book you wrote, <laughs> On to Skin. On to Skin. I do have a skincare practice. I am a huge fan of the entire line of Peach and Lily. Huge Ooh. fan. 
I use it in the morning. I use it in the evening. Okay. Huge fan. I'm a big fan of using, I usually do a moisturizer, a toner, um, sometimes vitamin C depending. Sometimes it depends on the time of year, but sometimes vitamin C. I typically do two moisturizers. My skin is very dry and I live in Denver, which means it's like supremely dry here. So I usually use two moisturizers and then sunscreen. Highly recommend always using sunscreen, even if you're a black person, even if you have darker skin, always, always, always use sunscreen. And then depending on how my skin is feeling, I'm a big fan of using a cooling serum, particularly on my Mm. cheeks, like my cheeks tend to get rosy. So I use a cooling serum before I put moisturizer on, but highly, highly recommend Peach and Lily everything. Their Do you ever use their phenomenal? Um, do you use? I, I love their glass serum. Do you ever use that? Oh one? yes, every night. <laughs> That's so good. Also, I feel like I need to like we just need to tell our listeners because they're not going to be able to see you that if that's if skin is glowing, <laughs> you are glowing. Thank you. So thank you. Yes, Thank you, just for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, well, Yvette, it was so great to get to talk to you. As we have both said multiple times, we loved your book. And um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, read your work, etc.? Yes. Um, you can find me across the internet at Free Black Girl. I know Twitter is Twittering. Um, but Free Black Girl, <laughs> any platform, new and old, that's that's the best place to find me. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, Yvette was so, she's so great. Her book is so great. It just came out yesterday. It's really <laughs> great. And I think as we like, <sighs> I know, like personally, you know, just continuing to kind of explore our relationship to our own bodies and other people's bodies. I'm so grateful that there are writers like Yvette out there, not just like exploring this topic, but also sharing the way in which their own stories are a part of it. Um, Yeah. It's just really, it's such a great read. So go get Weightless. We both really loved it. Um, Well, Kate, you last week said you wanted to walk, walk, walk. I did. As I told you, I and walked you under the fat phobic diet signs of the cruise. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Listen, if anyone uh, from the Royal Caribbean organization is listening and you want to know what boat I was on and you want to take those signs down, email the pod. I would I highly recommend you ooh, remove them. Yeah. Now, do we think anyone from Royal Caribbean has ever heard of this podcast? Doubtful. But you <laughs> hey. never know. Hey. You never know. Crazier things have happened. You know, this week when I filled out this document, my intention was to kind of start my 5K walk training. Um, But I didn't do that this week because I'm not feeling well and I didn't want to push my body to do anything that wasn't going to serve it. What I have been doing Mm. is practicing 30 minutes of yoga every morning. And I'm going to actually do that when we finish recording. And okay, that is, I, I am having kind of like a, not a revelation, but like 30 minutes of very slow flow, very basic yoga classes, my back, the back pain and the tightness that I've been experiencing in my body, like it's already so much better. And I just was like reminded of like, oh God, 
this simple, short movements really make such an impact. You know, I'm not doing anything strenuous. I'm not doing it to like bulk up. I'm just doing it to really like stretch and it has felt amazing. So I'm going to try to keep that up next week. That's my intention. You know, I just remember our, one of our very first conversations with a guest with Jasmine Guillory, and she had been doing yoga every day at that point for, I think she had just finished a year, maybe. I think it was like 60 days. And it was early on in her thousands of days really of yoga. It was really early, but she was already like, I feel so much better. And then I think when we, when we interviewed her again, she had seen like some real changes just in how she felt in her body and now she's been doing it for like six years or something i mean it's it's amazing um and i wish i did that (laughs) in all honesty (laughs) nothing is holding me back from doing it to be clear except myself (sighs) well kate last week i said i did not want to get stressed out about not being as good at tennis as some this. of the people I was playing with. Yes. And then you and all like went to coffee. Had, yeah, we didn't go to coffee, but we did play afterwards. And I went to um, a, like a live ball thing the other day. And some of the, it was, sometimes the groups are, there's more people just sort of at my level. And then there's a few really good ones. And then the one I went to the other day, most of the people were, very good, like noticeably better than me. And I was like, oh, fuck. But you know, I didn't like, I did okay. I did okay. I made it to the champion side a few times. Okay. I don't know what that means, but yes. Okay. They're just, you know, I, and I was trying, and there were a couple of times where I said to someone like, oh, uh, you know, trying to keep up with you guys or something. And she was like, you're doing great. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. This week, I, I got to figure out this half marathon thing. <laughs> okay. That's a great intention. Figure out the half marathon thing. Like, uh, yeah, I just got to, I got to, I got to figure out. Because if I'm, if I'm going to do it, I need to really, like, really figure out my training and, yeah. and you know. And your plane tickets. So. And my plane tickets. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> what have I done? Okay, Kate, this was such a delight. Thank you for coming with me on this journey. Of course, I will run alongside you via a podcast anytime. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everyone. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager, our network partners, ACAST. Talk to you all again soon. Bye. Bye.